Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Life and Godliness with Phil. I'm your host, Phil Gashao, and I do love having you here. Just in case you want us to continue have being buddies, you can also follow me on IG. Uh, my personal handle is at phil.gashao, but you can also find us or find me at Life and Godliness with Phil um, on IG. Love to see you there. Let's get into the episode. Hey, hey. So today's episode is about, I'm going to do a book review. Yeah. The last book review I did, I was with my husband. We had both read this book and we really liked it. So this time I've read a book and I don't have the feelings about it yet, but I'm just going to give the review. Um, so there was so much to learn from, from the book. Yeah. The title of the book is God's Design for the Church, a guide for African pastors and ministry leaders. It's by Conrad Mbewe, and the foreword has been written by Glenn Lyons. Yeah, I think that's how you say it, Glenn Lyons. <laughs> I was just being sure. Anyway, so Conrad, Conrad, first and foremost, I rarely read a book if I don't know the author. Yeah, let's just start from there. I like knowing the author. I like to do my research on the authors and then I can read books. Yeah. Cause I'm the kind of person that really, uh, I take in, I take in a lot of information. I am, I am very, I'm pro information. Um, that, that's the kind of person that I am. So I, I'm very careful about the kind of information that I'm taking in. So of course I know about Conrad Mbewe one, uh, because he's part of TGC, which is the Gospel Coalition. And I really am a big fan of the Gospel Coalition, mostly because they have um, uh, the coalition, the men and the women of God that are part of that coalition. They are very pro the Bible, yeah? And they, they, they highlight the fact that the Bible is one story from start to finish. And so it, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, whatever topics that they do during their conferences, or whatever it is that they're talking talking about just helps one to understand the bible a bit better so if you don't know them yet check them out on youtube you'll see so many of their topics some of the topics that they're they're speaking on um and they're usually really good especially during their conferences some some good some some good stuff yeah can help a new believer or you know just someone who's struggling with understanding the word of god it, it would it can be the boost that you never knew that you needed. So that, yeah. And then also any book that has been published by Crossway is a plus for me because I just don't know. They're always one of the best books, yeah. So obviously I am more inclined now to read uh, spiritual books, spiritual fulfilling books than entertainment books. That's, that's just how I'm spending my time now. Earlier on, of course, I would have a book here and there someone's biography you know just a you know fantasy book whatever you know fiction those kind of stuff just that now the season i mean in life i'm more inclined to reading these types of books because i um my need and desire for theology has just has just grown it's just um it's bigger and so <laughs> so obviously um, I enjoy reading this kind of book. So first and foremost, I'll just have to say this. The book is called God's Design for the Church. And then 
it's written down there that it's a guide for for African pastors and ministry leaders. So I've said that I know Conrad Bewe already because I've heard him speak a few times uh, at the Gospel Coalition conferences, yeah? So I, I kind of know him from there. And so when I got this book, we actually got this book for free. My husband was buying a new Bible and I accompanied him. And so this, um, uh, what is it called? The bookshop that we went to, it's called TOL Libraries. It's along Kiambu Road at Evergreen Park, like the entrance, yeah? Um, so they gave us this book for free. I don't know if they... The thing is, they, my, my brother had also bought a Bible from them a few months prior, and he also got the same book for free. So I don't know if they're just dishing this spe specific book out for free, or I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure about that. But if you buy a Bible, apparently you get this book for free. I don't know if it's this specific book, but to be honest, I think we should be charged for this kind of wisdom. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it should be charged. I think uh, what goes on here, what's been said here, uh, needs to be charged, yeah? Nonetheless, it's a guide for African pastors and ministry leaders. So we are starting off there. You're probably thinking, this is where I'm going to turn off this episode and I'll catch up with you next episode. Um... Maybe not. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I've learned most about the book is because uh, what when I when you read the book, you do feel that it's the kind of book that is to be to be read by people who are in the leadership. Yeah, the leader, the leading role. Yeah, not assistants. Because I feel like for me, I am I'm I'm a patron. I'm just a, a youth patron. There's not much that I can do other than I, I follow the directives of what, I, of, or, you know, I'm given directives and this is what we're doing. This is the season that we are taking and this is what we are teaching. And so you do exactly that in the youth ministry. Um, yeah, but I feel like when you start reading the book, you kind of feel that you don't, if you're not in an active influencing, yes, if you're not in, in the influencing position, then you shouldn't read the book, but, 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 because I felt that way, I obviously think everybody who comes across the book would think the same, but it's really good and it's very integral so that any person who is after, you know, just, it, there's a lot of lessons, yeah, there's 20 chapters in here and the they give you there's a lot to think about, yeah, and I'm obviously not going to talk about every, every chapter, I'm going to keep this as brief and short. So the purpose of Conrad, um, uh, what pa Conrad wants to, to, to do here is to teach uh, or to highlight to pastors what was the purpose or what was God's design for the church. And so obviously he's going to uh, talk a lot about the acts of apostles. So now when they are left and God tells them and Jesus tells them to you know, going to all the ads, starting with all, all the world, and starting with um, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world, yeah? Acts 1.8. From that, he's saying we need to understand what he really meant and what was, what was the pattern that was drawn from how the apostles did it. Because if there was a pattern, then we should follow that very same pattern, yeah? And obviously, when you hear that, you're like, of course, I'm not trying to start a church. I don't need to be reading this book. But you need to read this book 
so that you can understand the position where of your church and know where your church is at. You can know what they're doing well and you can know what they're not, um, you know, where, where they're not doing so well so that you can start the process of interceding. The thing what, that I love most about this book is that the last chapter of the book actually says this, yeah? It's called, it's titled, How Can You Help in Reforming Your Church? And so he's saying, after you've read all these chapters, yeah, you've read all the things that I've said to you, you're probably wondering, so, okay, what am I supposed to do with now all this information that I have given you? And so he says there's two possible uh, ways to respond to this, yeah? You can do nothing about it and just be like, okay, wow, that was a nice book, that was a nice read good for all the people who are able to have that kind of a church or maybe you could have a second response and do something about it and and by doing something about it you could start by praying you could start by teaching for those who are in the positions to actually teach and um, you could also uh, you could also talk with leaders and influence the leaders first because if leaders are influenced then the rest of the church comes it goes in easy, yeah? So there's a lot to be done. You can, you just need to realize what you can do. And so that's why I still recommend that even though you're not a pastor, but you have your heart set out on the church, that you read this. The reason why I think even uh, people who are not pastors should read this is so that people can know God's design for the church. Don't always just wait. You know, I I feel like as believers, we are, yes, we are not to sit in the in the place of waiting. We are waiting for our leaders. We're waiting for our pastors. We're waiting for the leadership and the management and the elders to show us the way, to tell us when to go, how to go. How can? Uh, what, how, how about we, we know? How about we know that this is the direction that we're ultimately supposed to go so that we can assist even the leaders in, in praying so that things can get easy. And then also a church member who is equipped in knowing God's design for the church will be very quick to obey when the leaders start applying and implementing some of these things, yeah? So I think that's where it's at. Everybody, as much as this is a guide for African pastors and ministry leaders, I think everybody who attends church and is for the church, is pro-church, is pro-the fellowship, um, and is pro for the, for, the, for the Lord's design for the church to be uh, it should read this book so that they can know and they can help and they can obey what the leaders will do. And just in case their leaders are not, you know, doing this just yet, they can start to pray and they can, you know, uh, start to intercede that the Lord would would shine a light upon them so that they they too can come on board and 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 uh, and, and do the work uh, uh, and, and start to you know, move towards what really God, God's design for the church is. And so there is a lot to unpack in this book. And if you're not in leadership, you kind of feel you like you're, you're pointing the finger. At some point, I felt the same way I felt like I was constantly pointing the finger and saying, you see, they are not. You see, they are, you know, there was a lot of that in my spirit, which I had to pray against while I was reading the book. Although I've read the book in one week. Yeah, it's the fastest read I have had because of how captivating it was. First and foremost, can I just say, I think I've said first and foremost so many times, it's no longer fast. So whatever number it is at this point, Conrad is Zambian. He's a, a, the lead pastor of Kabwata Baptist Church in Zambia. And so he's speaking from having pastored an African church. And this is why I really love this book so much because it's audience is Africa. 
he is giving examples that are so tangible to me and you who are Africans. You know, sometimes you take a book from a Westerner and you're thinking, mm, good for them because their culture is completely different. And so the application is, is just impossible when it comes to Africa. Yeah. But this one, this one, to be honest, he knows what Africans are going through. He's speaking like an African. He's using examples like an African. In fact, you almost feel as if, of course, Africa is broad and it's big, but African culture is similar. Yeah, the African cultures are just similar in the way they look like. And so there's a lot of similarity, even from a Zambian perspective to the Kenyan perspective or to, you know, anybody else in the world. And so I love the fact that an African wrote a book about African churches because he applied African wisdom and knowledge and he showed us how it would look like um, in the grand scheme of God's design for the church. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it so much. It was so Africanized, not to mean that it was different from what scripture says, but he took scriptures and then he took the culture of Africans and showed them. You see this, this doesn't need to go like this. It needs to look this way. And I was like, wow, mind blown. I love it. But two things. There are so many things here that I don't completely agree with. Yeah. I'm obviously not going to state them here on this podcast. <laughs> Because it would be a place or a point where I get to influence you when you get to read the book. And I don't want to do that. I want you to get the book, read the book, um, and have your own perspective towards it. I, there's some things that I don't agree with. But the one thing I'll say for sure is that he first uh, the, 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 the chapters when they begin, he's saying, so what is the church? And then he, he tells us what the church is. You know, sometimes some of us think, think like it's the building. And I think we preach that often. Um, and, and we say that the church is the people. And so he goes on into details about that. I'm not going to go into details about that. The second chapter is who is the church's founder and head. And this is where I started to laugh. <laughs> you know why I was laughing? <laughs> I was laughing because African cultures have the tendency to have the founder of the church as the person who initiated or began that particular ministry. Yeah? So the founder of Faith Harvest International Church is the late bishop. You know, I'm just giving an example of the church that I go to. Yeah. So he's the founder. And so <laughs> and so it was so funny to see him actually through scriptures show us who the founder of the church is. <laughs> And obviously, it's not like we don't know that the founder of the church is Christ. It's just that we were just giving the title. You know, we were just giving titles to our men of God because we honor them. Yeah? Air flip. <laughs> so it was a bit... Some of the things I think we take lightly as Africans, myself, some of the things he was saying, you're taking them lightly, but they're not supposed to be taken lightly. The, the, the founder of the church is Christ, and it should just be and remain Christ. Everybody else is a steward, no matter if they started the church or not. And so he also went into the details of saying the reason as to why some churches or sometimes it's difficult to discipline even that person who we have quote-unquote appointed as or we have called um, uh, founder is because if, if he, 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 he should be above reproach. He's above reproach and whatever he does is key. We almost now put him in the position of Christ 
who is the real founder and who cannot sin and who cannot go wrong. And so we are not able to discipline someone who we think is the founder because then that would mean the whole ministry comes down to, you know, it falls down. And so I, I, I really appreciated um, the way he in details explained why in our minds and in our hearts as our churches are starting out from the ground and even right now, no matter how big and vast the church is, People must understand that the owner of that particular ministry or the owner of the church at large, yeah, is Jesus Christ. It is not the bishop. It is not the archbishop. No matter how big of a name you want to give the, the, the man of God, it is not them, yeah? The founder of the church is, is Christ Jesus. And so he starts on such a simple note and then he starts getting deep. So he just wants you to, he wants to lay a foundation that, the church is the people, and then the one who's the, who founded the church is Jesus Christ. He goes in to say, so what is the church's task in the world? What are we supposed to do? Our work is to spread this gospel, yeah, which is quite the different, which is actually different from any other religion in the world, because all other religions you are either born into it, um, or you know, and, and there's no sharing we can't they, they're not sharing their message so that others can be transformed there is no transformation you're either in the club or not or not in the club and so one of one thing that makes christianity distinct is that you know there is a point where we can include you can be included if you want to you can be included you just have to accept jesus christ as your lord and savior so everybody has a chance to become a christian yeah but with other religions no not everybody has a chance to 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 be them yeah so uh he, he he does that as well um and and then as he continues to go down of course he gets deeper and deeper but some of the things that I, are important for church uh for you who is a believer and i think I, I i would like you to know um is is some of the chapters that talk about why why we practice baptism and the lord's supper that's a chapter that i think everybody needs to read we need to know that it is important. I think it's important for us to know the weight of the matter in terms of baptism and the Lord's Supper. It's important from, for everybody who calls themselves or claims to be born again to know why baptism and the Lord's Supper is important. Do your own study. You can use the book, obviously, because it has already given you this information. But you can go in your in-depth study to see why it is important and to see why it is, it is critical. Funny thing is there are people who are stuck up in pews in church and they don't even think baptism is important and they don't think that they should be baptized. They've been in pews for decades and they don't think that it is of, of importance for them to, to be baptized. Yeah? And then another thing that is important is, is, is the topic of what should happen in our, in our worship services. What should happen when we gather on Sundays or on Wednesdays or on Thursdays or on Fridays, whatever day that we gather, what should happen in that service because it's written it's written in the bible yeah it's written we just don't come up and say you know us in our church we like to do this if the founder is christ christ gave some instructions yeah and so we should do what the founder of the church says we do so there's a lot of details that he addresses he addresses the fact that first and foremost you all don't believe that christ is the is the founder because you have your own founders that you have made up for yourselves in your churches and so whatever those founders say is what you do yet if you understood from the get-go that the founder of the church is christ then whatever he says about your worship services if he says sing if he says let's listen to the word then we will actually um 
we will actually prioritize the reading and the preaching of the word of God. Yeah, all, all the five choirs and the eight choirs that are singing in your sanctuary is that part of what is in, in, in what should happen in the fellowships because it's written, it's written in the book of Acts, yeah? And so I thought those, those were some of the profound things that every believer needs to know so that we are not jumping. You know, some people, I have been in, in church all my life, to be honest, whether I've been a born-again practicing believer or not. But I have had people leave church for the funniest of reasons. One guy, I remember, left the church, uh, left our church because we didn't have uh, miracle services. Yeah, one. Yeah, another one left because the music wasn't just hitting right. Another person leaves because the sermons were too long and the time for the preaching services were, were too long. And you get to ask yourself, that's what you want. But what has the founder of the church said should be part of those services? Because you, it's one thing to be offended with something, but another thing to be like, okay, this actually offends me because it's something that offends Christ. Yeah? It's important for us to read this kind of books so that we can be stirred up into one asking the question, okay, by the way, I know our services, you know, we have like five or three services per Sunday. What should encompass that service? Oh, you know, Phil, there's some people in this church, them, their service just lasts two hours. I don't know why hours has to last like five hours. You're preaching for two hours. No one is listening. But, but the question is, what does the scripture say about those services? Because we've not made those up for ourselves. We really haven't. It's important, brethren. It's important for us to know what the scripture says about those kind of services. What should encompass the service? And, uh, and that's a whole entire podcast in itself, yeah? It's a whole podcast in itself to just go uh, through and go deep into understanding what is God saying about church services? Because people are leaving church and people are fighting with leaders because they have their own preference. People want to sing for a whole hour and they want to be dancing but another topic that comes up here is the issue on worship, yeah, and the issue of singing, yeah. It's fine. Y'all wanna sing. Y'all wanna talk about. Y'all wanna sing the songs. But what are the kind of songs that are pleasing? What does God say about the songs and hymns? He says it's written in Scripture. Yeah. What does He say about the songs? And what should those songs? What should encompass the the content of those songs? Because we wanna stay here and just sing all, you know, a whole hour and dance, and once we've sung and danced and the offering has been given, should even the offering be, be given? You know, those are the questions you ask yourself. And so but the Bible has the answers to all these questions. And as believers, we can't just sit down and, and be thinking, ah, if all churches are doing this, then it's supposed to happen. Okay, it's fine. That preaching of the word is supposed to be done, etc. But know it for yourself. Go to the Bible Go and see that God has highlighted that when the people gather for fellowship, there should be this and this and this. Anything else we are doing is an extra. Anything else we are doing is taking away, but we should do what the Bible says. And I, sh I should be okay if the scripture says that I should be hearing the word of God. I've come to hear the word of God and I've not come to sing and enjoy myself and dance and feel good about the good tunes and the good beats. Because, you know, us Africans, we really love to sing, to be honest. We, we love a good song. We love a good tune. And so sometimes it's important for you to take a step back and ask yourself the nitty-gritty, the important questions. 
what does the Bible say about worship services? Because we, have, we are inheriting things. This is actually something that he says in the intro of the book, that as Africans, we just inherit the things that our forefathers and the people who are there before us did without really questioning the intention of it. Whereas we should be asking the, the question, what does the Bible say about this practice? What does the Bible say about the practice? Why are we taking Holy Communion? I remember there was a time and a season um, in, our, in our church when we, when, when we went through teaching people about baptism, about the Lord's Supper, uh, uh, which obviously we call Holy Communion, and we went through teaching them about dedication and why it's done, all these things. Why? Because it's important for the people in the church to know what the Bible says about these things. We went through, it was like a whole six months of teachings about these things. We went through them. This is the position of the church because this is, we were saying this is what the Bible says and therefore this is the position of the church. Topic after topic, this is what the Bible says and this is the position of the church. And so this is what we believe is the position of the church because the scriptures have said it. And so it was so important then because there are so many people who left the church because they were like, me, I don't agree that uh, people should be baptized. I don't agree. Meaning they were not disagreeing with the church. To be honest, they were disagreeing with the scriptures. And you see, there's nothing you can really do with a person who disagrees with the scriptures. Because if we are being led by the scripture, then it ultimately means that we are just not on the same page. The only thing that unifies believers is the word of God, nothing else. Yeah, the word of God unifies us. And so if we are differing when it comes to the word of God, then it means that we might not have the same perspective and concepts of things. And so right off the bat, it's important, highly important for you to know what the Bible says about half of the things that are happening in your church and half of the things that you believe. Because the church could be saying, we're not going to have that. We're going Instead of that, we're singing. We're going to replace it with intercessory. And you're thinking, Maombi, every time you want us to just pray, 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 you're pissing us off. But does the scripture say that we pray? Does the scripture say that when you gather, do, uh, that, that they, when they, there was gathering of the people of God, this is what happened and this is what happened? Check, check it out in the book of Acts. When the churches start being put together, yeah? When the, when the churches are now being... Were founded and now they are being uh, and there's evangelism going on. Just read the first few chapters of Acts. When Peter preaches the first message, three thousand souls come to the to, to the knowledge of God, and they are added to them the number of the to the church. They are added. Three thousand people are added. So what happened when these three thousand people were meeting? Next up, we see him, him preach again, and then five thousand were added. So what's happening to these people? Eight thousand people when they gather. What's happening? It's a church of 8,000 people. What's going on exactly is the question that you and I need to ask ourselves. We need to go back to the foundation and find out what was happening then. And we do exactly that because we can do so many things. And all these things to not be needful and all these things to be against the purpose and the plan and the direction that God wanted. And so the, the, the book really highlights the need for you to question and to examine the scriptures on most of the things and the practices that the church is doing now. Were there deliverance services? Were there? Were there cashers? Were, there, uh, were, were they there? Yeah? Those are the questions that we need to ask ourselves. We are doing things because we like them and not because the scriptures have told us. And you know what is so sad is that 
um, what is actually in, in, important for every believer to remember is that the Bible is already offensive enough. It's going to offend your feelings. It's going to offend the way you like, you know, your preference because you're probably the kind of person that likes uh, slower music than more fast-paced music. And so if they don't sing slow music, you're like, today's service sucked. <laughs> because you our in you know we, we we like to think of churches like a club you know a, a, a gathering of people like an all-inclusive club where you get what you want because you have signed up you're in membership and so they should do what you want but to be honest the club the, the church is so far away from a membership club it's it's completely different because when you come to church you're supposed to do what the founder wants to be done in the church and if we have our mindset that the founder is Jesus Christ, then whatever is going to be done in the church, however the tithe will be used, however the offerings, how, whoever will be put in leadership positions, this, the kind of discipline that will be done to people who go against what the scriptures have said, all those things are in the hands of the founder. And all we need to do is say yes and oblige to what he has said. So what does the Bible say about half the things you all are doing in your church? Is a question that I want you to think on. And once you think on it, once you now start perusing your Bible on it, I think it's a place where you need to start praying. Before you do anything, before you talk to your pastor, your leader, if you're a pastor, if you're a leader, before you start thinking of the changes that you need to do, first intercede and ask God to help this message also be palatable to those who are going to hear it. Just in case you want to get the book again, I got this book from TOL libraries. It's along Kiambu Road. Um, yeah, they have a, they have an Instagram page, so check them out. The book is called God's Design for the Church: A Guide for African Pastors and Ministry Leaders. I've already said it's by sorry, it's by Conrad Mbewe, and I've already said that this book is not just for African pastors and ministry leaders. It's for everybody and anyone who would like to know how God wants the church to look like. So yeah, hope you enjoyed it and I hope you get the book for yourself. Bye!